All right, welcome everybody to Journey Active, and today we are joined by Renata Music. She is a Strong First instructor and team leader. She holds on the Strong First Elite status, which means she has all four of Strong First certifications, and she also has a black belt, is that correct, in Japanese karate? I do. Which is quite the accomplishment. So super awesome. We're very lucky to have her. Her and her husband travel and teach around the country and the world and also have their own karate and hard style body business that they run on their own. So welcome, Renata. Thank you. Thank you. The big question is this. How are champions like us, who won't settle for taking the easy route, who are waging war with the status quo, how do we make an impact that manifests meaning in our lives and put long-term reward over short-term gain, yet still remain happy, healthy, and productive? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I'm Kevin. And I'm Devin Weiss, and welcome to Champion Secrets. We're super excited to have you today. Um, before we kind of like dive into some of the content, tell us a little bit about like yourself, your family, where you're from. Well, I grew up in Greenwich, Ohio, which is a little bitty town. And um, fast forward to now, my husband and I live in Shelby, Ohio, between Cleveland and Columbus. I played volleyball in high school. I played softball. I was always too chunky to play basketball because I couldn't move. But volleyball, I was pretty good at because I could get into that ball and set. I managed a softball league as a kid, the Greenwich Softball League. I managed that. And uh, I've always been an athlete. I always like to be active and doing stuff. Strength training was my probably one of my favorite things to do. But I hid my arms as a kid because they got real big and all the other girls had those tiny little skinny arms. And <laughs> I get all muscular. I'm like, okay, time for a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So uh, what do you do for work like on an average day? Average day, currently I'm at the Shelby Y and at the Mansfield Y. And I teach Live Strong, which is a group for cancer survivors. It's a 12-week free program that our YMCA has. And I am the chief instructor at the Shelby Y. And then I assist with two other instructors at the Mansfield Y, and I teach that. So I'm at the Y usually from 8 until noon, and then I go back from four until sometimes eight o'clock. Wow. And I avoid the weekends if possible, unless we have karate tournament training or karate tests that I have to be there for. So you're pretty much going all day then. I am. Yep. So when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? Play with my grandchildren. How many grandkids do you have? I have two. And I love to hang out with my kids, but (laughs) and my husband's not too bad to be with but you know there's just something about these little tiny humans that are just too much fun to watch and develop and they're just a blast for me to see them go mama and go running into your arms is just melting Mm. I am a uh, six degrees black belt in Japanese karate too this year, I celebrate 25 years of being a black belt and 10 years at the Mansfield Y. Wow. Wow, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. So obviously, with both karate and strong first, you have like extensive knowledge in 
fitness and health overall. I want to hear a little bit more about your story and like how that all began. So before you got involved with fitness and strong first and like becoming a little bit more interested in like your personal health journey, where were you at and what were you kind of looking for if there was a before fitness? Well, before fitness, I was married to somebody else and I did seven and a half years of at-home daycare. My son started the Taekwondo program at the Y and uh, I would go out and do my own little thing on machines. Hate to admit that, but I did. And uh, (laughs) he would go to karate class. Well, one day I threw a kick on a heavy bag and the guy looked at me and he's like, do you know karate? And I said, well, kind of. And uh, he wanted me to teach and he called me to teach and the rest is history with karate. 2010, Gary brought kettlebells to the Y. I had never seen them before. I had no idea what that thing was. And I took one class and uh, I did the Turkish getup. And a couple steps back, I had known Gary for many years and I had had a massive crush on him. (laughs) So to do this Turkish getup in front of him was intimidating and embarrassing. And I said, uh, I won't be back. I'm just going to walk my dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, November 1st, 2010, they wanted a full-time instructor at the Y and I was very dedicated to the Y and they asked me to do this kettlebell thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, all right, get paid to lift weights and learn how to do it right and teach. Sounds like a deal. Mm -hmm. So that's when it started. I got my level one certification, September, 2011, my level two, this was all RKC. This is pretty strong first Okay. Uh, level two RKC spring, 2012. I did body weight spring, 2013 barbell fall, 2013. So I hit all four certs within a very short time. That's awesome. And the only one I couldn't do was body weight because I didn't have long to prepare for it. So Pavel asked Gary to go and Gary's like, you should just sign up and do it. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Being able to achieve all four of those certifications is definitely something to be proud of. Currently, I only have my level one, but all four are definitely a goal. Mm-hmm. And just knowing, you know, what type of discipline it takes to want Mm -hmm. to train for a certification that you earn. You don't just go get some education and then leave with a certificate and you earn that certification. So that's, that's huge. Right. And that's what my karate world is all about. Just because my husband, my husband is my instructor. He is our grandmaster of our association. And just because we're husband and wife doesn't mean I get promoted. I have to work very, very hard to earn that rank. Yeah. And uh and I also threw FMS in there in 2013 or 14 too. My husband and I went through FMS together. We love FMS. Yeah, it's awesome. such a good tool. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is, if you haven't been in studio with either us or Renata, um it's called a functional movement screen and basically assesses your movement patterns, how you move, um, where you're strong and what things you need to work on. And whoever is assessing you can kind of help share some ways that your current movement patterns could improve based on what we see. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's a really valuable certification as well. So 
continuing with your, your fitness journey, you had kind of alluded to you've always strength trained, but when did it kind of click? When did you know strength training and then specifically RKC to start with and then Strong First was something that you really wanted to immerse yourself in? Well, I didn't know any different. Gary brought the uh, HKC to the Mansfield Y and I took the HKC and passed that pretty easy. It, it might have been that point that I knew it was something that I really wanted to do. And in the beginning, I didn't even think about really being an instructor. It was sadly to say all about me and look at me and what I can do. And here I was 120 pounds and he'd hand me a 32 kilo kettlebell and I could squat it for 10 reps. Mm -hmm. So I had this crazy amount of strength that Adam Gary kind of put me on this show off pedestal. And <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, it was like, look what she can do and watch her. And that was hard to overcome as an instructor, but the more I overcame it, the more I learned I can teach better when I let go of my ego. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really enlightening moment when you realize that yeah. you're like less of me and a lot more of everybody else. Yeah. And things are no longer about me. They're about my students and what can they achieve and how can I move them better? And those aha moments and the tears that I get from my students, that's more than anything to me. I mean, it, if I hit my goals, great, I'm going to be happy. But the days that I can see a student who couldn't do, especially like the cancer survivor, mm -hmm. do a get up for the first time and stand, that's moving. It's for breathtaking sure. and it's just moving for me. That gives me like goosebumps just thinking about yeah. because having had experienced that at journey as well. Like we've had people who've had multiple surgeries on mm -hmm. major joints who've said like, I will never move from the ground to standing up in a Turkish get up. And then you see them stand up and you're like, Whoa, don't yes. cry, don't cry. you know, like, yes. um, so it's just, it's really cool to, to be able to see that happen and to trust the process. And I think you hit the nail on the head from a coaching perspective, if anybody's listening to this and, and you do coach others, that's a huge roadblock that you can encounter as yourself. Getting out of your own way and putting other people first, you transform through that whole process because your role isn't just, just a coach. Your role is also to always be a student. You can actually learn from your students too. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In uh, my karate world now, I watch my students and I learn from them and I teach my students how to teach. So by watching them, I learn what I need to fix. And it's very difficult for me to explain this, but my kettlebell world, my barbell world, my bodyweight world, and my karate world are all a big web mm -hmm. and they all work totally together. So that, that's pretty cool. I do keep it, um, a goal to always have my skills dialed in. Mm -hmm. I always said that if Pavel knocked on my door at two o'clock in the morning, I could do anything, <laughs> even in my pajamas. <laughs> I could That's do awesome. all of my skills because I always want to stay sharp. You know, the sharpest edge dulls the quickest, and you have to keep those skills sharp all the time. So that is my number one priority for myself. That's awesome. If I hit my other goals, great. If I don't, that's fine. But to always stay sharp in my skills is my number one goal. 
Yeah. That's awesome. I've never heard that quote before. The sharpest edge dulls the quickest. Like that, sure. that's awesome. So switching gears a little bit, at Journey Active, we, we talk a lot about high tension training. Mm-hmm. High tension training to you. High tension training to me would be being able to take the skills that you learn in your strength journey and apply them to life. Like I always tell people, you're not going to bend over and pick up that giant bag of dog food and be a limp noodle. You've got to create that tension and just the right amount of tension to pick up that bag and no more. If you can't generate that, then you can't pick up that bag or to unload a load of gravel at home. You know, how much tension do you need to shovel that gravel? It's learned in proper strength training and to link your body from your shoulders to your heels. And, you know, one of the things that um, the Live Strong participants have to do is stand on one foot for a balance test. And I always hear, I don't have any balance. I don't have any balance. And throughout the course of the 12 weeks, I teach them to let go of the word balance and to worry about tension and and that high tension in your body, gripping the toes, zipping that knee up, tensing your glute, linking the side that you're standing on so you can do better and stand longer on that foot. So high tension training to me is functional. It's a daily functional thing, you know, from shoveling snow to sweeping the sweeper in your house to sweeping your garage out with a balloon, with a balloon, with a broom. Mm-hmm. How much... <laughs> Use here in Ohio this week. <laughs> you could apply a lot of tension and maybe do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how much do you need to do that? You know, how much tension does your body require to pick your grandchild up off the floor? Yeah. Throw them in the air, release them, and catch them. So tension has to be as much in the gym as functional in your life. One thing that I, I love that you mentioned, and if you want to expand on this, great. If not, that's okay too. But um, I think a lot of people, when they first hear the word tension or high tension training, they're going to be just like tense all the time, like like walking around kind of like a tin man. But one thing that you said was just enough tension to do what needs to be done mm-hmm. and no more than that. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you not want to have like more tension? Is that going to help you be able to do what you're trying to do better? Mm-hmm. Want to expand on that a little? So there's a word that is used, and many years ago I wrote a a blog on this, and I used the word maximal versus maximum. Think about a bridge, uh, like a bridge that goes over a giant river or something, that has the beams or the wires connecting the bridge to the, you know, the big posts. Those don't have a maximum amount of tension because if they would, they would snap. They're maximally tensed. So they just have the right amount of tension. If you're an athlete or if you're not an athlete, you have to know how much tension to have to perform a task. If you have too much tension, it slows you down. Mm-hmm. So in my karate world, we throw a punch and you want to be fast when you throw that punch. But at the end of that punch, you have to be maximally tensed. You've got to have just a tremendous amount of tension or you failed in executing a punch and landing that punch. And also that tension is generated within the body. Now, if I'm punching a seven-year-old, I'm not going to have a maximum amount of tension in my body 
But if I'm punching a heavy bag, the end of that punch, I will have everything maximally dialed in and tension is at its highest. You know, in sparring, older kids, I might hit a little bit harder because they've got that experience. So that's the difference to me, to be able to create just that right amount of tension. Like I said, if I have to pick my two-year-old grandson up, or if I have to pick my 10-month-old granddaughter out, the amount of tension has to be different. Kind of shifting gears to training and maybe your perspective as a, as a coach, how do you think people benefit from being part of a community of like-minded people um, when they're training? How, how does that benefit them? How does it not? <laughs> I like simple. You know, I mean... I, I guess I don't know anything different. Even in my YMCA world, in the back training area where all the guys are at, we're all like-minded. Mm-hmm. We're all there to support each other. The guys know that if they need a spot, I can spot them. It, I guess it's, it's really hard because I don't know any different. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say what it's like to be outside of this community. I know that at any time I can call on anybody. For instance, before I went to the dome, I had to do double snatches Mm -hmm. or teach the double snatch. And I sent videos of push press, high pull and double snatch to Karen and Brett. And I said, can you check these out? Mm -hmm. I've always felt very comfortable to reach out to people to do a form check. And I want people to do that for me too. I want them to say, hey, can you check this out for me? You know, I, I always want to be available to people for that help. And, and that's what community is. Yeah. You know, this is a strong, huge family, a global family. And we rejoice with each other and we cry with each other. Yeah. And it, I, I just think it's amazing. You know, when my friend Heidi, who just went through level one and she got her level one cert, I just held her and sobbed. That's that love. That's that community that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an amazing part of my life. I think it all boils down to having having people around you. Like you said, I mean, you could have just left it at that. Why would you not at least have people around you who you can go to and ask? Part of our, our mentality, especially in Strong First, but I would guess, even though I'm not part of the karate world, I would guess that this transfers very well there too, mm-hmm. is being a student of strength. And just part of that strength mindset is understanding that you have never reached the end point and that you're always a student. And so the people around you can help you grow. Right. Um, why would you not train in a community of others who can help you and who are like-minded, who see training the same way? Right. And your community can be 10,000 people or it can be five people. Right. It's your community. You know, my husband is an eighth degree black belt. He's been training since he was 12. And he still learns all the time. He doesn't ever stop practicing. And he can't do the strength that he used to do because of his illness, but he trains all the time and he's always still trying to better himself. That's awesome. It is awesome. It's fantastic. And that, if I could give anything to anybody, I want to give that to them to, you know, pick a journey pick a journey to better yourself. And that's what you need to do. It's dough. It's, it's a path. 
Mm-hmm. That's where you need to be in life is on that path. That actually kind of answers my next question. So <laughs> you knew I was going to say this, but <laughs> suggest for somebody who's intimidated by something new. And I think you like maybe just expanding on like picking that path is actually a really good answer, but expand on that a little bit. Like if somebody's intimidated by starting something new, what, what's your advice? Well, that's funny you asked me this question because I just got done talking to the Livestrong people about this. When you enter a facility, a new facility or a new class, yes, you're uncomfortable. But remember, everybody there started where you are in the beginning. And let go of the thought that people are looking at you or wondering what you're doing. Because to be honest, they're too involved with themselves. And in kettlebell class, I've had people say that, well, you know, if I come into your kettlebell class, people are going to look at me. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're too busy trying to figure out where their next breath is going to come from. Not <laughs> You guys know what it's like. Yes. yes. You know, every single person started where you are. It might have been eight years ago that they started where you are, but we all started in the beginning. I started in the beginning. I started with that little bitty 18 pound bell. You have to start. You have to put your ego aside and your own cares aside and do something for you and start. Don't allow people to intimidate you. I gave up on that a long time ago. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. Because it's all about you and your journey. So if you're competing right. or worrying about everybody else, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not. You're going to stay stagnant. And stagnant's not healthy. I totally agree with that. Okay. so. Coaching. Obviously, we're really passionate about being good coaches because it's important for ourselves. Like, I always pursue good coaching um, for my own personal practice, but I also strive to be a good coach. And having worked with you in person, for those of you who don't know Renata or haven't heard me talk about her, she actually taught the first ever kettlebell course that I went to, which is part of the big reason why I decided to get certified in Strong First. So um, yeah, so I like I was thinking about that as I left this last weekend um, at the Dome in Chicago. And I was like, man, that was really cool. Like I got to know Renata like three and a half years ago. And like now I get to know you more and continue to be coached by you in the future. So anyways, on the topic of a coach though, why do you think it's important to have a knowledgeable coach rather than somebody that might be more of like a hype man or hype woman who just cheers you on all the time? Well, let me start with this. Random acts of randomness are not a good path. So what I mean by that is if you have somebody that just does random things and sits back and says, oh, great job. That's just fantastic. Way to go. But they're not teaching you anything. You're not learning. Right. So that's not a good journey. And eventually you're going to go bored with that. Um, I just started singing lessons recently. And she's, she's intense. And she's fantastic. And she'll say things to me that I tell my students. I just, I wouldn't want to go to somebody that's unskilled. Right. I pick a high skilled person. So you're not doing random acts of randomness. And those that teach the random acts of randomness, just sit back and cheer you on. 
Mm-hmm. And I see it and it drives me crazy because they're not correcting. They're not improving that person in any way. And that person just continues to look the same all the time, inward and outward, like they can't reach that pull up, they can't do a push up. So I think it's important to find somebody that's just not a cheerleader for you. Let your family be your cheerleader. Let your husband or your or your wife or somebody that's important to you in your life be your cheerleader. But find an instructor that's going to give you proper instruction, make you a better person. That's what a coach is for, to make you better. I like how you tied it into just being a person. You're not just moving better when you have a good coach. You're hopefully becoming a better person. Right. They push you. Yeah. I That is one of my favorite things to do, to just push or to sit back and watch the women in my class push each other. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's it exciting. Is. For sure. It is exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah. I just sit back. I'm like, man, you guys are so cool. <laughs> you guys just rock. I'm just going to sit back and watch for a little bit. <laughs> right. I do. Yeah. I do, do that. I love it. And in, in my karate class, to watch kids teach kids, that's how I instruct. Once you reach a certain belt rank, kids teach kids. It's beautiful to watch what you've given to somebody now be passed on. Yeah. Um, one of the things in our school is, and I think it was uh, Ginchin Funakoshi said, who will pass it on straight and well. That's what Strong First is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Pavel's mission is. Our knowledge is to be passed on straight and well. That's why we are held to very high standards. And I do that in my karate school also. You know, I just don't hand out belts. You may flunk. And, yeah. you know, we flunk at our certifications. But we want to pass it on straight and well. It's part of that process. And mm-hmm. you can truly master something is by sharing it with somebody else and helping them to do it. Yeah. Yes. And, and watching what they do and realizing that you can help them or looking at yourself and going, wait, did I just, how did I teach that? If you see it wrong in your students, I've done that in karate many times. I'm like, Oh man, I gotta go back and fix all that now. (laughs) (laughs) So rapid fire question. Yeah. We got a couple quick Uh questions. (laughs) First one. What is your favorite kettlebell movement? Ah, currently just one yeah that's torture (laughs) sorry um right now the bent press what is your number one exercise for total body strength can i answer that in two part sure (laughs) okay okay good so if you're a beginner the get up man this you guys are tough uh if you're advanced and if we're only talking about kettlebells if you're a beginner the get up if you're advanced the bent press because I think it nails everything. Now I could talk about barbells and body weight also, but I won't do that if you want me to. <laughs> give us give us your barbell and your body weight. Yeah. Okay, so barbell would be total all body strength for a beginner would be a deadlift. I think what would tie in with that for an advanced person for me would be a heavy zercher. Those are tough. Body weight, absolutely a push up. And every single progression to a push-up, starting from a wall to an incline to a decline to a one-arm to a one-arm, one-leg. Mm-hmm. So that could accompany beginners to advanced. Yeah. Just, yeah. just a push-up. Last one of the rapid-fire questions. What is your top key to success in exercise and fitness? Patience. Be patient. Patient with yourself. 
patient with your students, patience if you get injured, patience with their students if they get injured. I, I just would have to say patience. You know, I've had a couple surgeries over the past years, um, a shoulder surgery from an injury when I was like 10 throwing a football in the backyard. And I had to have a lot of patience with myself for healing and not getting um, irritated because I didn't, couldn't do something. And just having patience for your students when they get frustrated and teaching them how to take that breath and shake it off and either proceed at that moment or wait and come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would have to say patience. Wise words. Thank you. Okay. So last question overall, for somebody considering high tension training, what advice would you give on why it works well, why they can do it, and then why they can and should make it part of their lifestyle? Can I answer that with why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, seriously, high tension training just bleeds over into everyday life. It saves your back. I mean, physical things is, I think the biggest thing is it saves your back. Mm-hmm. It saves your body. It keeps you safe. It makes daily functional movement easy. You know, I think about one of the first things that was a key to me was when I had to shovel my driveway and my abs were burning because that's where my tension was. My back didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. My abs were burning because I would tighten up and pull with that shovel with my stomach, mm-hmm. not, you know, pull with my back. Right. Because that's not what it's about. It's about that tension in your stomach and, and connecting from the shoulders to the heels through what we call in, in karate, your hara, which is your abdomen area. And that's what that area is for. It's to connect the top to bottom. Yeah. So, on about that, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yes. Maybe we'll have to do a follow up episode sometime. Cool. And go more in depth on like your expertise in karate and. Oh, I'd love uh, to. Oh, that would be my so thoughts cool. on self protection and oh, you open up a whole can of worms there. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Well, we will yeah. have to do that sometime. Cool. But yeah, thank you so much for all of your wisdom in all these different areas, and it. It's cool to hear a little bit more about your story and your thoughts on high tension training and why you think it's so useful. Um, So yeah, we're looking forward to the next time. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Would you like to see behind the scenes of what you can do to continue working towards your fitness, nutrition, and mindset goals? If so, then go check out journeyactive.com to learn more.